Turn with me in your Bibles, please, for our first reading to Psalms 3 and 4. We'll read both Psalms and give a brief exposition of each. Psalm 3 and Psalm 4. Verse 1, Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, There is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. <clears throat> Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Salah. Psalm 4. To the chief musician on Neginot, a psalm of David. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Salah. But I know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good, Lord? Lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. This is the first psalm title that we've come to in our reading of the Psalter, verse, sorry, chapter or Psalm 3. And so let's go ahead and pause for a moment and make use of that title. Remember that the psalm titles are not separate in the Hebrew version of the Bible. They're simply verse 1. They are inspired and infallible words of God. They are a part of the transmission of the, of the original text that God penned in the days of David, Moses, Ezra, and many in between. So they give us details, uh, historical details that are given to us in Scripture to help us in the interpretation of the psalm that has those particular details. This is a kindness and condescension of the Lord 
who had his inspired psalmist, David, write down these details. Uh, Don't be dismayed that David wrote in the third person. It's not a problem. Okay, so uh, as we come to Psalm 3 then, we, we hear that this is a psalm when he fled from Absalom, his son. Some of you will remember that, that there was a time when David had sinned mightily against the Lord and the Lord in chastisement of his king, even beyond the, the days of that sin, said to him, you'll have strife in your house for quite some time. Uh, and that is, we understand the fatherly care of God over King David and over his heart. That David needed that kind of stress and confusion and even rebellion and treason in his own house in order for his eternal salvation or in order to it. When God sends afflictions, he sends them for our good. Uh, Keep in mind as well that the afflictions that God sends are never as bad as they ought to be for our sins, right? There's always mercy mixed with God's chastising judgments upon his children. Okay, So, so the occasion is that David is fleeing from Absalom. It doesn't say exactly when, if it's that first night where... David was told to, you know, continue to flee, right? Or if it was later than that, if it was later in the, in the conflict before Joab uh, caught Absalom or Absalom caught himself, I guess, and then Joab caught him with three arrows, right? But wherever, whenever it was, David made use of the occasion to call upon the name of the Lord. And this is always a good example to remember David's afflictions and what David did with his afflictions, he went to the Lord. And so what is his, <clears throat> what is his cry? O oh Lord, they are increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for God or no, no help for him in God. Beloved, that's a lie. It's the enemy of your souls that would teach you that. The enemy of your soul would tell you that God has no help for you. The enemy of your soul would tell you that God does not favor you. That he doesn't care about you. That he's left you to twist in the wind at the hands of the wicked. Beloved, if you have any desires after Christ, know this, that he has desires after you. Those things don't rise up out of the human breast. They are gifts from God. But the enemy of our soul knows our weaknesses and that we are sometimes prone to think less of ourselves than God would have us to think. And so he will tell us things like, there's no help for you in God. God hasn't promised you a thing. Of course, those are the whisperings of the enemy of your soul. And you must put those to flight by the way David did. And notice what he says. But thou, O Lord. In other words, first thing he did was he rose up in adversity to that proposition. No. But Lord, thou art a shield unto me. And so we have that strong adversative conjunction there. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. But just before that, there's something very key. And again, this is the first time we've seen this, I think. Um, We've seen the term here, Salah, 
And what does Salah mean? Okay, I'm going to say something I haven't said before on, on Salah. So maybe this will interest you, maybe it won't. We have said before that uh, most commentators believe that the word Salah had to do with some kind of musical interlude, right? Um, as one of our former pastors used to say, guitar riff goes in here. Well, you know, we wouldn't say it that way exactly. That, there, that this was a time when uh, there was a break in the singing and the instruments played on. The word Salah comes, I think, from a Hebrew word, root, and it's hard to know for sure. That means some sort of pause, okay? But notice in this psalm especially, and this is the first psalm where we have this, but it is so early in the Psalter, it helps us with the rest, that there's a Salah at the end. May I ask you a question? Why would you need a pause at the end of the psalm if it was simply a musical notation? There are other psalms like that as well that end in Salah. And so rather than a pause for an instrumental solo or an instrumental flourish, it is rather a pause to reflect. It's a pause for godly... Excuse me. Godly reflection on what has gone ahead. I had to talk and sing a little bit yesterday. So still messing up, still messing up a little bit. So notice what, what is said here. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for God in him. Stop and reflect on that a moment. And he does. And what's the outcome of that reflection? But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. And so what did David do? He made use of that accusation in a godly way and turned it instead as he paused and reflected on that. Is that really the truth? It's not. It's not the truth. The truth is, but thou, Lord, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. That sounds a little bit different than there's no help for him in God. So David turned that around all the way, didn't he? He turned from the doubting accusation of the accuser to the confident assurance of a son of God. Okay, so keep that in mind. David used reflection and brought to bear all of those things that he already knew about God while fleeing from Absalom to remember that God was his shield and his glory and the lifter of his head. You might say that David left Jerusalem in shame. I think that would be a fair assessment. But God was the lifter of his head, even in the midst of his shame. So, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down. I slept. I waked. For the Lord sustained me. My, my own son is after me. And he has my best counselor at his right hand. What are my prospects, you might say. What does David say? I laid me down, I slept, I waked. The cycle continues. Laying down, sleeping, waking. The Lord sustains me. And then, with all of that, it is no surprise, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Even though I'm surrounded, what will I do? I will cry to the Lord. Arise, O Lord, save me, my God, 
For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. They have, they can't be any threat to eat you up if they have no teeth. Their teeth are gone. Their threat is gone. And so this is how David treats with his enemy, especially Absalom, but all of those others that were joined in league with him. So then we end where we where most psalms end. <clears throat> Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Of course, <clears throat> looking at David in his fleeing from Absalom, in that paltry force that he had with him, in that he went in haste in the middle of the night and was met by a Gileadite out in the middle of the wilderness to get food. You would look at his prospects and you would say what? Not much there. Not much there. Not much hope. But what does David say? Salvation belongeth to the Lord. I'll be saved and I'll be saved by him. I'll be delivered. I'll be delivered by him. Not by any human machination. All right, so we move on to Psalm 4, hastening on to the next to give our brother some time in the pulpit this afternoon. <clears throat> to the chief musician on Neginoth. Again, an early notation that is to the chief musician. Lamnatseach is the Hebrew term. And what does this tell us? Every time we come with that, that reminds us that the Psalter is made for public singing. The Psalter is made for public singing. It's to the chief musician. Some of you heard my lecture yesterday. Remember, we had 24 men plus the high priest. So a total of 25 men that were on the porch of the Lord's house doing wicked things. Okay? But that number 24 is an important number. Because those were the Levites that David had set up in those various courses to be a 288-member choir and orchestra. And that 288-member choir and orchestra played during the sacrifices and sang... And then after the sacrifices ceased, the prophet tells us in 2 Chronicles 29, the musical instruments ceased, and yet then the congregation continued to sing with the Levites as they sang with the words of David. Okay? So <clears throat> we note here then that there was a chief musician, and there are two men that are named as chief musicians. Uh, Kenaniah is one of them. And I can't remember the name of the other. He's probably in my notes here. <clears throat> Kenaniah is one and... Let's see if I have his name here. Yeah, Jeduthun, that's right. Kenaniah and Jeduthun are the two chief musicians that are mentioned during the days of David. But there would have been others that succeeded them in their office. Some of them would, would have been the sons of Korah, right? Korah being a Levite and would have been in charge of that song service after the ark was affixed in Jerusalem. And they no longer carried that about. Neginoth is a musical notation, and it means one of two things. It means verses of a particular song, the O-T-H ending is a Hebrew plural, or it means upon an instrument of many strings. So, uh, we don't know how many. There's another instrument called a shemnit, and we think that's eight strings, because that comes from the Hebrew number eight. Okay, but we don't know a lot about the psalm titles. Neginoth is normally thought of to be a particular instrument of David's day. And I will just pause there for a moment also and say that the instruments 
that were played by the Levitical orchestra were the, quote, instruments of David. In other words, it's not any old instrument that could be brought into the temple to be played during, sacrifice, during sacrificial service. It had to be the very instrument that David ordained because he did that as a prophet that spoke the mouth or that his mouth, in his mouth were the very words of God. That's what I'm trying to say. God will be worshipped the way he will be worshipped. That is, according to his command, and he commanded in the Old Testament, even all the way down to what instruments would be used. Okay? All right. So uh, Psalm 4 and Psalm 3 are thought of as companion psalms. I think that's good ideology. It's hard to be dogmatic on it. But they do seem to be connected because there is also some distress, um, some speaking of, of lies against David. <clears throat> and then we know that the Lord has set uh, him that is godly uh, apart for himself. And the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Same sort of circumstances. And one thing that I will mention also is that whenever we sing psalms like this, we must have one eye on David and one eye on Christ. That Christ is the, is the absolute man that is being spoken of here. That godly man that the Lord preserves for himself. That one to whom the Lord gives that help. Alright, so hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged... Um, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. And beloved, this is why we love the Psalms. Because the Psalms teach us what to do when we're in need. They drive us to the Lord over and over again. They, they tell us that in all of your calculation for deliverance, let this be the first cipher that you write down that we go to the Lord. Don't devise deliverances for yourself before you have gone to the Lord. Why? Because then you put that in priority over your prayers to Him. Make this your first blush when you're in trouble. Put things in their proper order and priority and put your own heart in a proper order and priority such that when you are in trouble, your first gaze is to your Lord for help and not to any human machination, right? So hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Uh, then David turns his attention to those who would accuse him. How long will ye turn my glory into shame? It's an interesting thing, isn't it, to note that the Apostle Paul picks up on that very idea and yet turns it around. Speaking of the Jews of his day, he says, their glory is their shame. That is, they glory in things they ought to be ashamed of. David says, you shame me for the glorious things. You shame me for my following the Lord. You shame me for my devotion to him. Beloved, like Peter tells you, if they shame you, make sure it's for that. Let none, let none of you suffer as an evildoer, but if any man suffer as a Christian, let him glorify God on this behalf. This is what David 
is saying here. And notice how the Apostle Paul exactly turned that around with the Jews of his day. Okay, and then how long will you love vanity, that which is empty? We heard that earlier today. And seek after leasing. Children, leasing is just an old English word that means lying. Telling falsehood. Repeating or telling originating falsehoods. Leasing. Lying. And then we have selah. Once again, we pause. We pause and reflect on what we have just heard. What have we just heard? Hear me when I call God of my righteousness. He calls on the Lord. And then he turns to those who are insulting him and preaches truth to them. Will they receive it? Will they hear it? We don't know. Not even David knows. Notice what he says. But I know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. So sometimes when we turn to our accusers and we tell them the truth, sometimes that will have that positive effect and sometimes it will not. That belongs to the Lord. Verse 4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. Be still. Selah. Then notice, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Verses 4 and 5 tell us that when we are in distress, that is not a time to, to leave or to avoid worship, but that is a time to be more diligent in it. In private and in public. Notice what he says. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. Do that self-examination. Do those secret acts of worship. Even when you're afflicted and especially when you are. And then notice, beyond that, what does he say? Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. But notice it's not outward. And put your trust in the Lord. And so you do all of those things in faith. In confidence in the Lord and in his salvation. And so that's what verses uh, 4 and 5 teach us. All right, verses, uh, verse 6. There are those naysayers, right? There be many that say, who will show us any good? We might be tempted to, to imbibe in that temptation today. We live in a difficult day. We heard uh, several things yesterday that helped us to, to realize, if we didn't already know, just how difficult a day we live in. Right? And hearing that, we might think, who will show us any good? Well, the answer is obvious. It is the Lord. Notice what David says. Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. We're not concerned whether anyone will show us any good. We're concerned whether or not the Lord will lift up his countenance upon us. And so we go to him for that. We're not playing to the crowd for acceptance. Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. That's where we go. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. In other words, the joy that I have from the Lord lifting up his countenance upon me is greater joy than any of them have ever experienced, even in their best and most prosperous of times. This is what David would have us know here. And then we close the psalm with, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell 
in safety. And this is why we relate this back to Psalm 3. I laid me down, I slept, I waked, for the Lord sustained me. And so Psalms 3 and 4 truly, I think, are to be considered together. All right, well, let's stand and call upon the Lord in prayer.